Jim Joyce. Season finale, my Get friend. Season, <laughs> the season finale. finale. Season longest, nine. Yeah, season nine. <laughs> longest lab. Yeah, you got it. You can count till nine. That's good. <laughs> as, a, as a CEO of a publicly traded company, you can count till nine. Congratulations. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, but uh, what we just started saying, right, that it's the longest season, like because of all the travel, right, all the stuff and just coordinating now schedules. Um, so I think we right. missed, I want to say like three weeks so far, three or four weeks in total in, ten, in nine seasons, which is not bad is that all which is not bad that, I that's think, all yeah. we've missed is we only missed yeah. three yeah that's pretty impressive i assume one i was just i i was just a pre i was a complete golf ball on one <laughs> listen you know Zero. it happens to the best of us it's, it's all good i think I, I think you had a good excuse um yeah, and yeah, then, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I know. Yeah, I think you had a board meeting, um, which, which you know, give you credit. Um, so, by the way, this is, I think, our 97th actual episode. Um, wow. So, wow. I, I mean, it's crazy, right? So, a few more, and then we're going to hit the one zero zero. But anyway, I... Um, I know we also kind of mentioned some funding rounds and stuff. I think we kind of gave up on it because we're just, I don't know. Personally, I don't care about the funding rounds anymore. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, just it, it seemed it seemed like probably funding rounds early in the digital health was such an event, right? Like it's just yeah. like, hey, they raised like, oh, that company and that was a real tastemaker, yeah. Yeah. you know, because they raised 10 million or 5 million or whatever the number is. And then now it's kind of, it's almost like trying to track technology now. It's just like mainstream, like digital health companies will get funded now. Exactly. Well, on that note, yep. uh, speaking of digital health, but also speaking about pharma, uh, yep. let's let's let in our friend Hicham Naim, um, and um, I'm sure even though we've known each other now for I think a couple of years. Um, Hey, Hitchum. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Nice nice to meet you. Cool headset. Uh, cool. Jim, Hitchum, Hitchum. Thank Jim. you. <laughs> Hi, Jim. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. I, I think I've seen you in the uh, social media universe. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I know you at some level. Also, Huff Excel, right? You, you were, you were. Uh, I'm sure you, you were in and out of some of the meetings at Health Excel. So the the Health Excel crew. Um, I, I mean, we always joke around, right? Like, I think our, you know, ninety. This is ninety seventh episode, ninety seven, ninety eight. I forgot what I even said earlier, but somewhere around there. Ninety seven. Um, yeah. But I think pretty much most of the people lead somehow either to kind of the Health Two O Matthew Holt. Uh, umbrella or marty and team at health excel i i think we can tie that right. the two two degrees right. DTX so. also. Yeah. DTX. yeah indeed D indeed exactly but um so for the millions and viewers and listeners hitchum why don't you take us on a journey of who is hitchum where are you from what you know what what your background is whichever way you want to go and then we'll interrupt rudely Kurt. throughout the process yeah <laughs> chaotically and rudely is our style well, well, that's well, that's amazing so I, I must be the million one then um <laughs> so uh, i'm i'm moroccan and swiss so i have this nice mix um i born in morocco and uh, grew up in a jew school from uh, from kindergarten till till uh, Irish University, so I 
was an amazing experience and still bring it back with me. Like it's, a, it's an interesting uh, mm. uh, background. I studied pharmacy, so I got a doctoral degree in, in pharmacy, then worked in a hospital and also biochemistry lab. Then one day I had this crisis of mind. I was doing my residency and say, I want to do something different. So I left my residency and joined pharma to do R&D. Okay. And, uh, okay. and uh, after R&D, I say, I want to do something else. So I did sales. So uh, it was the early days of pharma where basically in your car, in the back of your car, you have all the samples. <laughs> right, and, right. <laughs> and you go to the doctors, you detail the product, and then you leave one or two samples. And in what Morocco, country? if it happened, it was in Morocco and in North Africa. Oh, wow. North Africa. Wow. Wow. It was amazing those days because if there is a, there's like a public servant sometimes ask, what do you do? I work in pharma. So do you have some samples for me also? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and yeah. And um, yeah, I did marketing sales, like leisure suspected pharma. And then I had again, my 30 years uh, crisis. So I decided to quit. <laughs> so it took two years of sabbatical. I studied MBA and I was working as a freelancer in, in consulting. Okay. And after that, I joined uh, Ernst & Young. Okay. And almost like 10 years of consulting with Ernst & Young and Kip Gimini. Still Kip in Morocco. Sorry. Still no, in no, Morocco. that was, no, no, that's in Europe, actually. So I lived okay. in five different countries. Uh, okay. So I, I left Morocco, studied, did my tour, uh, worked in consulting in Switzerland. Uh, I've, I've been anywhere. In, actually, I was like at 80% airplane, uh, somewhere <laughs> somewhere in Europe and then somewhere in the world. So uh, like a project right. in South Africa, Kenya, then in India, then then in New York. It was an amazing time. Uh, but consulting sometimes, it means that you don't have necessarily a good private life or a, yeah, or a right. good work-life balance because you're always between airports. Right. It, right. You know, the, the, the movie Up in the Air, I think it's the best example. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so I wasn't obsessed <laughs> about, you know, having my, my, my mile uh, going up. But it's somehow it's the same, right? You right. Is that the one? George, is that George Clooney, or is that or is that the one? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it was yeah. the George yeah. Clooney one. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of the you're the George Clooney of pharma. Is that? that <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that. That too, there are a lot of people like me, uh, or at least like, like I was before. And after I joined Takeda, um, back in 2016, uh, I, I I led strategy for Europe and Canada. Then let uh, something that is close to my heart. It's customer experience. So I try to put in place customer experience capability. Then I joined uh, a global team where I was leading up to last month, uh, a team that is spread all over the world. So I had uh, people in US, China, Japan, and Europe. And it, okay. it's, uh, it's an accelerator program called Integrated Personalized Care Program. So we were looking at the full care package continuum and what are the unmet needs and what type of solution we can develop for patient, provider, and payer but also how data science and technology can enable it. It was an amazing experience. Uh, and yeah, and, and, uh, and, and I think this is how we, we cross paths at some point. Right, I, don't yes. remember, I, I don't remember the magic moment where we met. I'm sorry, Hicham, but- um, It's always um, a magic moment. <laughs> it is always a magic moment, exactly. And then, um, and then but, the 97th episode of Shot of Digital Health to cap off the career. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I don't think we, we, our career is like linear. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the book. I don't know if you have read the book from Dave Epstein about Ranch. No. Which, which book? Ranch. No. 
Ah, okay. Ra- oh, range. Range? Range, yeah, range, yeah. Range, yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah. my French accent now. Uh, I like it. it. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. And it talks about, you know, being capable of, you know, this horizontal and not being specialized in something. Yeah, lovely. Lovely. So before we dive and peel that onion and farm on, because this is, you know, I still have, you know, tie marks on my back. Um, but uh, <laughs> as far as like the pharmacy, and I actually like, I, I just went to the American Pharmacy Association. Actually, Jim, you and I, right? Uh, we, we did the shot right. on, on, on stage a bit. But, um, you know, Risa, who was, uh, uh, um, who joined us here on the shot as well. I mean, I, I, you know, my summary is that everybody wants um, the pharmacist to do everything pretty much because they're really the front door and the front access. Like, where, where did you leave the pharmacy world, right? Just, I'm curious, just back up. I mean, it sounds like you went to consulting, you went, you know, pharma, but pharmacy. And why? I mean, why did you leave I, it? I didn't leave it. I mean, when you're a pharmacist, you're a pharmacist for, for life. Or Forever, a doctor yeah. or nurse, you're for life. You know, uh, um, uh, you know, in the old days, pharmacy is called apotec, right? And apotec mm-hmm. was basically not a pharmacy; it was a pharmacist, physicist, uh, physician, intellectual person yeah. of, of the village. And I don't think I left it. I kept at least a couple of things, like the, you know, this head of healthcare profession. So when you think about solution, when you think about a new product or were bought to launch, you look at it from not only from uh, someone who is working in pharma but from a healthcare professional also. When you think about patient, you think about that too. I don't think it, 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 you know, the healthcare professional work, it's not a work, it's it's almost like a mission. So people Mm. who decide to be a doctor or nurse, they say, I don't want to be doctor to be rich. I think there is something deeper and you don't lose that even if you move to- to And, and, and building off of that, like, you know, we, so we had uh, Risa who's, you know, uh, she's, she's kind of head of partnerships for the American Pharmacists Association. Um, and, and she had, you know, had this great vision that she laid out for us of the role that the pharmacist is going to play as being, uh, you know, the kind of adjudicator and onboarder and trainer and, you know, front door to digital health technology. Would you share that view? I, I, I shared with you. I mean, I, I remember a paper I've read back in 2000. Let me, I don't want to say something stupid, 2008, 2009. And they were talking ago. that day, a while ago, they were talking about the fact that pharmaceutical industry, they would try to tackle one big problem of healthcare, which is adherence to treatment. Back on those days, I think it was estimated around 500 billion in terms of loss of value yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and and what they say that one of the most underused resource was the pharmacist mm. I, I mean they are frontline and and hopefully uh, i mean hopefully now they're uh, not only pharma pharma industry but but the whole profession and the whole industry and healthcare system understood the value of pharmacist it's not only here to fill prescription it's to play the role of basically delivering the frontline in yep. france Pharmacies are not called pharmacies. I mean, you, you have pharmacy, but right. what they call them is espasante. It's a space, it's a health space because mm. you can go there even if you don't need to fill a prescription. Yeah. If mm. you have a, a cold or something, you ask first your pharmacist before going to, to your family doctor or to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It, it, you know, and, and it, but it's, if you think about it, it depends on what country you're in. It's also kind of of the healthcare system of the, the, the doctor, the nurse, the pharmacist, you know, amongst lots of other professionals, it's probably the most corporatized aspect of the, of the system, you know, meaning, meaning if you're a practicing pharmacist, you know, in Europe, in the U.S., there's a really good chance that you're working for a big, uh, you know, private company, like a, one of these big, you know, pharmacy chains like Boots or, you know, yeah. CVS or Walgreens in some ways. Yeah, that's true. But I think also within those type of chain, there's a change in the role of the pharmacist now. Um, I've seen that also. My brother is a practitioner of pharmacist in France. Yeah, vaccine shots, for example. One of those. Example, but also like my brother, what, what they did during COVID, they also put like a, a boot, a telemedicine boot. So basically, you go there and have and have your consultation with with a, a doctor via telehealth and fill the prescription. But also, you have other additional other services. Like for instance, they go and visit elderly pop, uh, people that cannot come and 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 feel and check on them. So they have almost like a social worker role, right? Uh, so, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'm convinced like, I mean, with like my own, you know, my own company with Health Beacon, you know, we see the pharmacists as, you know, like in, in it, but it's kind of working with them, like the, as probably the right people to introduce our technology to the inpatient, you know, as mm-hmm. the, as they'll understand it, they understand the need or the demand, they're not removed from the patient. You know, they have the practical challenge of administrating a prescription and, and, you know, we see it as, as there, but the infrastructure almost to allow them to get out of prescription filling mode and to kind of get it, move into that space is still, you know, it's on an evolution, right? It's not there today completely or always. And also the education system needs to change. Mm. It's basically reimagining the role of pharmacists or nurse because Mm. this is another resource that is underused Mm. and the way they're trained and the role they would play in the society needs to be be reimagined. It's not only infrastructure. Before we get to the reimagining, because I do want to get to the reimagining, um, maybe just dive in. And again, you know, um, we've had many guests from the pharmaceutical industry, right? Um, I think, you know, all three of us are went through it or still going through it. Um, <laughs> I, I want to get Hitchum's view on digital health, digital therapy and kind of the role in pharma, because I think I know we've chatted separately and I, I do think we're very much in the same page, but I want to get your thoughts and view on it. Yeah, I mean, first, we all agree there's not one pharma, but mm. uh, I, I think, and, I think that and even is, within I, that, right, the franchise, it's not brands, one franchise. Yeah, it's pharma. not. Yeah, exactly. yes, agree, absolutely agree. And, yes. Yeah. I, I think the very first thing we need to look at it's it's what type of pharma are we in, or what portfolio you have, or therapy area or prison, but also combine that with what is the relative contribution of digital health intervention to the portfolio. Uh, if I make it, if you're in neuroscience, contribution of digital health intervention may be completely different if you're in oncology, mm. and and based on that you can start thinking what. If I am a pharma, what could be my strategic intent for those digital health intervention? Is it for me to provide more services and therefore improve adherence to treatment and show that I have a, a positive health outcome? Mm-hmm. Or is it a, a way for me to collect 
EPROs, uh, yep. reported outcome, and then demonstrate it as an outcome or complement my, my, uh, the evidence I have about my therapy. Or is it something that's completely, completely different? Like in neuroscience, is it a completely new mechanism of action? Mm-hmm. And here I'm not complementing my data set and my evidence, but I'm basically completing my portfolio uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to strengthen my leadership in a certain therapy area. For instance, uh, the development of treatment for Parkinson or, or Alzheimer or, or other therapy, you might think that beside the biological or chemical treatment, you might have also digital intervention that mm. can complement this and can be seen why not as a first line therapy. Like mm. for instance, you have today games for ADHD, but also you have treatment. You might see in the future that it, the game will be the first line therapy before prescribing uh, a treatment, a chemical treatment to, to pediatric patient, for instance. Mm. Now, uh, my, that's my point of view, not the, the one of Takeda or the one of Pharma. I believe the future of DTX is Pharma for a couple of reasons. Uh, because they all struggle. I mean, they, they all chant that they have funding, the valuation is going up, but the reality is a big gap between valuation and funding and the adoption in the market. Mm. And I think where they struggle is that first, they don't have the deep therapy area expertise and knowledge that pharma has built over the last 100 years. They don't know how to do science-based engagement. Mm. You know, pharma, they know how to do that. If I have a treatment, I know how to talk to doctors and how to talk to payers and demonstrate basically the evidence of, mm. of this new therapy. And I think DTX, I believe the future will be its pharma. Mm. And, and we start seeing that. I think Pfizer, a couple of days ago, bought um, an app, okay. red apps. Yes, they just. Oh yeah, re- re- uh, resp- uh, respiratory uh, app, right? Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. And I, I will I, expect you will have more of those now coming in the next coming um, mm. uh, months or years. Yeah. You know, I, when you I, think I, I would, about. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to challenge him a little bit. Go ahead. Yes, please. Challenge. It's that's how we learn yeah. and grow. Go. <laughs> You know, I, I think your comment on, you know, they as in DTX don't know X, Y, Z, right? I mean, if I look at, uh, and I won't name names, but again, back to your well-funded company, there's been, and I don't want to say an exodus, but certainly a large number of people, everything from market access to clinical trials, et cetera, really heading into a lot of these companies now with the funding, right? And so... Um, and, and I actually would say that from that perspective, the they, and I put it in quote, the they knew the consumer experience in theory, tried to um, kind of put that into the healthcare perspective and now adding some, you know, brilliant people from around the industry to actually bring some of that, you know, expertise and evidence. So that's kind of one. I do agree with you that ultimately I see a lot of these DTFs, especially PDTs, right? The prescription digital therapeutics the are PDTs, ultimately, yeah. ultimately being acquired by one of, right? And even if we talk about neuro, neurodegenerative diseases, right? As a standalone, well, look, I mean, how long has the industry been trying to um, solve for Alzheimer's, right? Um, if, if there is a neurodegenerative piece of software that can help with that, and if I'm trying mm. to fill my gap in my in my pipeline, well, if uh, and I'm, again, I won't name any names, but if a company is generating now X revenues, even if it's 10 million, 15 million, 
well, then now that's an interesting target to fill my portfolio. So I, that's how I'm kind of looking at it. No, I'm 100% with you. I think um, to be fair to DTX and I'm big fan of DTX and PDTs, um, disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> it, there's not one, like, like we said, there's not one pharma, there's not one DTX. I think we're, we're talking about, we don't want to name them. There are some good ones. And some good ones, they, they really are taking seriously evidence building. But you have also a lot of snake oil sellers. And, and that's what I believe on the mission of DJ. What they try to do now is to put some standard, mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, the, the bad players are, are, are not, not visible. Uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. But, but it's still a way to go. Way to go. Um, it, it, so let, let's, let's talk like platform versus differentiated DTX, right? You know, so, so this whole idea that, you know, if you're building a DTX platform that could engage, you know, multiple different kind of similar medications from the pharmaceutical industry and, and have a benefit and have like, you know, one patient experience or ability to seamlessly, you know, switch between first line treatment and second line treatment, you know, that's one. And then you have one that says, Hey, I'm going to use a really clever DTX to differentiate, you know, my product. Um, you know, it's very, what's your prediction here is it going to go one way or the other, or do we live in a world with both those things happening? I think what makes sense, it's, you it, would have a platform play in the future. Because also, I mean, you came from pharma or you work with pharma. I, I, I work with pharma. If I take the oncology example, for instance, where you have a patient that has cocktail therapy and each pharma is trying to provide its own services. And mm. then sometimes you have DTX company that also propose to pharma specific services. If I have mm. a patient, I end up with three, four different offerings. That's right. a kill, basically. And also, right. there's no way you can, in a, in a compliant way, collect the and be able to provide what, it, what makes sense in terms of intervention to patient based mm. on, you know, based right. on, the, on the condition. I, I believe that in the future we'll have platform play where those DTX like you have to the Apple store, if I'm a patient, if I have a, a condition and I need right. a CBT, I, I, I can opt in for CBT. If it happens they have a treatment where I need dosing, I can opt in for this dosing uh, app. If okay. I, if something, and, and that's, that's the if for instance, I, I want to use your, your, your beacon because mm-hmm. uh, I want to track my, my basically uh, my adherence, but also I want to make sure that the, the, the syringes are not lost. I can opt in for that, but I have mm. a seamless experience. I, I don't mm. care how it works behind the curtain, but I have a seamless. But the question is, who is going to do that? The, you know, there's the right. super app or super platform. Who is going to play with that? Right, and be the leader. Is that in your book? We're at some cross, cross, crossroads now, but I, I, I was actually going to say if, you know, be, be, before we move into it, I, I was going to like kind of tweak it into the book thing um, <laughs> that I, I did a poor excuse of, of writing one. I, I, I started, I think, as soon as I left the big pharma, I did, I want to say 20 uh, Fridays in a row where I wrote like, you know, a, a preview of the chapter um and then hitcham just kind of like okay boom i'm out it's done no it's, i know it's not done but a i would love to uh, so the my, mine was uh the concept with heart, heart pill to swallow an entrepreneur's journey through the belly of the beast 
Um, I am still committed to finishing it and I would love your thoughts and feedback into it. Um, but in that crossroads from my book uh, and inspiration, let's talk about yours. So first, I think you should continue your book because I love the idea. I think we all struggle with that. And I think they, they, you will have an audience. Now, what, what I learned, and the book is not finished. I, I wrote the first manuscript. It was approved. Had the, the book is not about to say to people what you think or how much you know, but right, you need to say, I'm not the hero. It's a learning journey for me. And I want to listen to people that are smarter than me or that have done something and have a story to share. That's how I approached it. So it's not my book. It's a collection of stories and interviews that I'm having with different people. You know, every Lovely. time I talk to someone, there's something interesting. Everyone has a story to tell. And I think yep. as a human being, you know, we are social animals and we love stories and we tell all the time stories. Mm. And that's the idea. Now, why I'm writing this book? So back in, I have asthma. It's a moderate asthma. And even that, I'm, I'm a pharmacist, but I'm not adhering to treatment. Which is literally, mm. you know, and I had COVID in 2020 and it was horrible because I ended up in AR. I was like a close call. And, and at the same time, I had the best service I could have. Now, the, the, the university hospital, they were amazing. You know, I benefit from this uh, uh, cocktail antibiotics, antibodies, uh, you know, from Astra. Wow. And wow. I can name them because, because they, they helped a lot. And thank you. For... On the other hand, on the other part of the, the world, my parents have also the same situation, but didn't get the same level of support because right. Morocco is not as advanced as, as Switzerland, also for other reasons. And I say, so that's the first question. How come in 21st century and we don't have the same access to care? Care should be almost like a human right now. And in some places, US for instance, it's not seen as human rights, it's still seen as a cost, not investment in right. our society. And the second, I was expecting a second baby. So I say, my second question was, what world are we living to our kids? I mean, it might sound cheesy, but there is a lot of relationship about what we are currently doing and how this will impact uh, the future. So I picked 2050 because I say that's basically the day, the time where we will see whether we have met the climate uh, target or not. 2050. 2050 and 2050 will be almost 10 billion people and you myself will be the people that are basically a burden to the society also because it will be 70 plus and what strikes me is that ah. we will have more people that are 65 than right. people that are 14 or less and and how if we live with the same society if we live with the self healthcare system we can we cannot basically uh, bring the same level of, of care to this larger population. And being uh, mm-hmm. elderly means that we have more NCDs. And I don't believe that longevity and others will solve this problem by in 30 years from now. So so I decided, okay, how about if I listen to people write a book about that and talk about not only the pessimist part, because I'm still I'm very optimistic about the future. Mm. And and one of the questions also, and I will stop because I know that you're thinking. We're it's not technology. No. No, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot. Of, so I, I'm, when I start looking to the books, most of the books are great, but they're all techno-optimistic. 
and they all talk about gadget from my point of view. They're not necessarily asking the questions about what society will be living in and will technology really make healthcare and health more accessible and more equitable or it would create almost like a two type of humanities. You know, I don't want to be green, but if you have seen the movie Elysium, you would oh, have yeah. the, the people that can get the best care, like a gene therapy and, and, and the rest of the population that still mm. struggle with the basic, basic problems. Mm. Wow. And, and what, what actually, like, what was the, the aha moment or the inspiration for it? Like, what, did you just wake up one day or was it kind of a, a process? Like I said, uh, this? Or, or was it tied to, to the experience? What did the experience actually when, when I was, uh, I mean, when you're in the hospital for three weeks, you have a lot of time to reflect, you know? And, so it was then when it was born, then, really, yeah. Yeah, because you start thinking, okay, uh, we have in our cultures uh, something about legacy and and you, uh, um, mankind, what I say mankind is woman or, or man, uh, needs to live at least one of those three legacy. Um, one, you already do that and uh, 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 a up for you, it's knowledge. It's a, a knowledge that can benefit uh, the, the rest of the population or the humanity. A knowledge could be uh, a book, an article, a podcast, something that can benefit people. Even still, you're not here maybe in in 100 years, maybe 150 years, but, but, but the knowledge you have built, hopefully we will have a podcast in 2050 or 200. The second one is a kid that remem- remembers you. But what we mean our kid is not kid, something that's a biological kid. Could be like you're coaching someone, a colleague, you helped someone, you, you helped someone basically. That becomes you like a spiritual kid. And the third one is running charity. And running charity doesn't mean necessarily foundation. You know, you did something small, but has impact on people. And even if you're not here, it's still basically, uh, and one simple example for us, if you plant a tree and this tree become bigger and you hide when it's sunny or it's raining, it's a running charity. Oh, wow. So and that's from the, Mor- uh, the Moroccan culture or? I would say the Middle East, Africa. Middle East, yeah. So it's you know, legacy, a kid remembers you in a charity that keeps on giving. Or a knowledge that can benefit people. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You know, as, like as, as you're talking about leaving a legacy and, and, and helping people, um, you know, we're in the midst of a humanitarian crisis and war in Ukraine uh, that's ongoing. And I know, Hicham, you, uh, I've seen you post, uh, uh, I think, you, uh, Healthcare Without Borders. Uh, t- talk. A little bit. I think I, I got it correctly, right? Healthcare without borders. Is that it? Maybe just talk a little yeah. bit about what, what you're doing with the there. So so I, I think Healthcare Borders, I need to give all the credit to Mariana. It's a friend of mine. She's actually a fellow member of HIMSS. Uh, and she reached out uh, the day, day one of the war. She said, Hisham, can you help me? Because we need to do something. I didn't sleep. And there are people that are suffering. And I said, how can I help you? And she said, what is do a post on LinkedIn? And we did our first post where we say black Canva and we say, we're looking for clinicians and health tech or telehealth company who can help us bring those together. And that's what we did. And we were overwhelmed by response. Uh, the first week we reached 200 plus clinicians and 20, wow. roughly 20 telehealth companies. Wow. And we didn't expect that basically. And, and slowly what we did, 
we vetted those health tech company, the Telehealth, and we come up with five that we say, okay, those are good. We can, we feel comfortable that they can, they, they are simple, they, they can be used by patients in, in Ukraine. And and also we keep having more, more clinicians. And the good things today is that after what, 55, 56 days now, yep. we, we are covering almost, I'd say it's more than, more than 1,000 consultations per day. Wow. wow. And oh, yeah. It's, and, and other, other like uh, Massachusetts General Hospital joined us now with the own disaster team. We have Yeshiva University, Katz uh, School of Health and Science. They joined us. And, and what, what was also interesting is that RADA uh, last week, they published basically the list of recommended telehealth platforms, five. And out of the five, we have two that are part of our network. Wow. So we felt, okay, I think we did a good job in terms of vetting them. And, yeah. and, yeah. and, and I, 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 but I don't think that, that we should say yes, we did everything. It's still so much to do. I mean, oh, we're yeah. talking about 5 billion plus of people that are displaced and the war right. is still there. And there's a lot of, uh, I mean, we, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. We, what I, we also I, I we did, I'll yeah, quickly finish what we did also. So we have three things that we start doing. One is doctors to patient. Then we say we start organizing doctors to doctors. For like we have association burn surgeon, psychiatric network in US and in Europe that talks also to surgeon in Ukraine. Sometimes you okay. have a procedure, you don't know how to approach that. That's the second thing we start doing. And third one now, it's hospital to hospital. Sometimes they want to yeah. know what they need to ask in terms of, of so those are some examples of yeah, I was, I was just going to comment on your, so there's a lot to be done and I'm sort of like rewinding back in that even the first week, um, you know, we went over uh, to the Ukrainian consulate to just to find out what, what's really needed. And they had a very specific list of what's really needed. And that was going on for like, you know, the first couple of weeks. I remember, you know, weeks after, and I think even now, um, you go then what's needed, everything, right? I mean, just everything is needed, literally everything. I mean, there's millions of, of, wow. of people that are, you know, left things behind, right? You, you thought about right. like, well, do people need forks. Well, now, yes, right? Like, so uh, right. I, again, just encourage, um, you know, people sort of ask like, sure, there's, you can donate to the Ukrainian government directly and other things. But I would also say, just find your Ukrainian consulate, you know, just we pretty much every mm. weekend take a trip, dropping whatever we can off um, to be. Yeah, or host families. Host, you can yeah. also. Yeah, host. Uh, uh, well, I know well, you are, well, you're hosting a family. a family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we still need help. For instance, I give you two examples of concrete help. Uh, and also, come back to you now, DTX. So, uh, uh, one of the things we, we didn't only look to delay help, uh, we looked also to DTX. And triumph.health, for instance, they have a game that is validated to help kids with trauma to deal with that. And, and that's an example of, you know, evidence-based intervention you can use, especially right. because the scale with the solution, you don't need a lot of clinician behind. Right. But we need yeah. help, for instance, with butcher. And we know that there are more than one butcher. We start looking for experts that can help uh, people that are experiencing rape, or, or have been victim of rape. Uh, and there's not a lot actually of experts in the world that can, they don't know how to do that in the context of war, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. 
Um, listen, we, we can keep uh, absolutely exploring, um, you know, how we can be helpful to every individual we can explore in DTX or pharma or anything else. But I, I, I think for the respect to all of our listeners and viewers, Jim, take it away with the last question for this. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, and, and you've brought us in a lovely way. Uh, you've you brought us to the top of the mountain and they've told us how we can be charitable. So I was going through your list as you're talking about, you know, legacy impacting kids and charity and knowledge. So, um, so if you, you're, you're staring at, you know, this incredibly charming, successful uh, pharmaceutical sales rep um, who's driving through Morocco and he pulls over for a second. He, he reminds me, he, he reminds you of yourself, of your younger version of yourself. And he says, he says, Ajim, I, I have this phenomenal digital health uh, technology idea that's going to become the most impactful, uh, uh, you know, application in the world, a platform that every pharmaceutical company is going to want to uh, adopt and integrate in with their medications. You know, you've had lived such an interesting career. What advice do you have for me? What, what advice would you give to this pharmaceutical sales rep about to embark on his entrepreneurial journey? I mean, I think you know the advice. It's, it's don't think about a platform or a solution. Think what is the big problem that needs to be solved. You know, that's what I would tell him. What's the biggest pain point? And I don't think that you don't, you don't have one. There's so many. And I, I was reflecting actually on big tech and where they, they still fail. Uh, they try to disrupt an industry for the sake of disruption, maybe to turn a dollar into two or 10. They should be looking to some big problem we have today. If I think about healthcare system, for instance, I'm not talking about pharma, because pharma is only 8% of total cost. There is a big inefficiency in the system. We need to face, we need to, to solve it. It's not a sexy problem to solve, but it's a big problem. And I think if we do that, we can, we can reduce uh, and make the healthcare system more, more efficient, but also we can reduce the burden on, on doctors. And if there's one, one advice I give to everyone, when you develop a, a solution, please make sure that it doesn't create more workload to the doctor, because I'm, I'm really scared of the next pandemic. Or the nurse or the pharmacist. The of, or or yeah, any, the any other actor in the healthcare profession. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, Thank you for joining us. Um, we will add the Crossroads link to our uh, LinkedIn post notes and, and the show notes. Uh, we don't actually have show notes per se. We're not we're not a professional podcast kinda, on this one, but we, we, we kind of riff we riff on LinkedIn need, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you for thank you for joining us and for the yeah, and glad of you, listeners share and click subscribe. Yeah, and glad you've. Glad you've recovered from COVID and, and thank you for all your work. I look forward to the book. And uh, thank you for your, your, your job also. You do good stuff with the uh, Auto of Digital Health. So <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>